We'd like to thank Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for helping to underwrite the Building Through Him podcast. In the last year alone, Notre Dame SCU served more than 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com. Hello, welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. I'm Mary Jo Parrish, founder of Kingdom Builders, and today's episode is Outstretched Arms. And just so you know, you are always loved and are always welcome here. We always like to start with some funny stories because God loves the sound of our laughter. I got an email from my youngest child's teacher, and as you know, we have 10 kids, and I have not been great about being a mom in a classroom that volunteers with parties because I usually have so many kids. And so I'm like, okay, he's my youngest. Now it's time to volunteer in the classroom. And so I signed up to help with something. Well, I didn't realize I signed up to be like the lead mom of the Christmas party, which felt like a lot of pressure. So I tell my 14-year-old daughter, I'm like, hey, so I guess I'm like in charge of the Christmas party for Bash's preschool. And she's like, uh, they must have got they, they that must be a mistake, mom. You wouldn't do that. And I was like, no, I I did it because like he's our youngest, and so it makes sense. And she was like, mom, I just this isn't gonna be your thing. Like I think you need to let it go. And I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. So then I'm talking to my my son, Father Logan. I was telling him the same thing. He was like, oh, did did they get the sign up sheet messed up? And I was like, no, I signed up for it. And he was like, mom, are you sure? And I'm like, yes, I can do this. So after, you know, all the agony of people doubting me, I I have moms that help me. And, of course, they're way more on the ball about what to plan and eat and all these things and do stations. And so the day of the party, one of the moms gets COVID and can't be there. And we have stations set up. And Father Logan happened to be home on his day off. And, you know, he had teased me about me doing this party. And I was like, hey, so one of the moms got COVID. He was like, mom, no. I'm like, we need another person. He was like, all right, fine. So I drug him along with me. Sebastian was so excited to have his big brother there. So funny story, but we got through it. So another Christmas story. I have not been great about teaching my little ones, like the secular Christmas songs. I'm like, okay, they probably need to know Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer so they're not embarrassing for their friends. So I'm teaching Sebastian Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and I'm like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And I'm like doing little pointing at my nose. And and if you ever saw it, you would even say it. And I move my fingers like in front of my face, going back and forth. And he says, fingers. And I was like, no, not fingers, glows. And and he's like, like nodding his head like he gets it. Well, my six-year-old Joseph thought it was hilarious that he said fingers. So he comes home the next day and he's like, Mom, in music class, we were singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And we got to the part where it says glows and I couldn't help myself. I just had to say fingers and I was just laughing about it. No one even knew what I was laughing about, but it was really funny. Those toddlers are the joy of our life. They're so hilarious. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. 
He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogance of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers of their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things, the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise to our fathers, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Amen. So in Canaan Builders, we always talk about our foundation. Our foundation is a minimum of 10 minutes of prayer every day. No matter what's going on in our lives, a minimum of 10 minutes of prayer. I have had people who say, like Mary Jo, that's not enough time. If you pray more than that, wonderful. But a lot of times we just have people who are starting out, who don't know the Lord, who are just starting out. And so we always say a minimum of 10 minutes of prayer so that we can be open to receiving God's love. We go to church on Sunday. That's a divine commandment, right? Not a suggestion. And so we honor Him by going to church. And then we're staying in a state of grace. And so if we're struggling with any type of serious sin that we're getting to the sacrament of reconciliation or self-help group or therapy, whatever we need to do to be free of that, so we have all the graces of our Lord. And then we build ourselves, build others, and build the church. So today we're talking about outstretched arms. This is a quote from Pope Benedict XVI. Each of us is the result of a thought of God. Each of us is willed. Each of us is loved. Each of us is necessary. I love that quote. We know that God has designed each of us for this time in this place, that God has always known who we will be, and that God has a beautiful plan for our lives. This is Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. A prophet to the nations, I appointed you. We know that we are beloved sons and daughters of a glorious king. There has never been another one of us. There will never be another one of us that he created us individually with a plan and purpose that only we can fulfill. And he's given us unique gifts and talents to fulfill that purpose. Our gifts were given for the benefit of building his kingdom. This is from 1 Corinthians. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. And that's the understanding that's part of the root system of kingdom builders. When we seek relationship with our Lord and seek His will in our lives, He unveils our unique and beautiful design. And by understanding our design and the gifts He's given us, we learn how to build His kingdom, right? We learn it. A lot of times we don't know. We're like, we need to learn this. And I always like to think of our gifts and talents like bricks. We're building the kingdom by laying those bricks. And sometimes it's difficult to lay our bricks. It is. There can be barriers or awkwardness or training, education, like practice. But he calls us to use our gifts to build. One of our builder sisters is a pelvic physical therapist. And she works with women who are struggling with pelvic issues. And often these are embarrassing and awkward things to discuss. So she listens to their story and connects with them and makes sure they feel safe, heard, and loved. And she hears stories of abuse and trauma and loss, and she sees 
Um, and if there's any spiritual blocks, is there fear, anxiety, worry, frustration, anger, embarrassment, unforgiveness? And then she builds over those barriers and through uncomfortable conversations and around those deeply private issues. She goes to the most intimate of places to help women heal. She is the hands and feet of Christ. She welcomes each woman with outstretched arms. And when we spoke with her about this, this is what she said. What I've realized after 20 years of practice is that we as physical therapists often must take patients into discomfort to lead them out of discomfort. God is doing much the same thing with us. He allows us to experience just the right amount of discomfort, suffering, or pressure to heal us, refine us, strengthen us, and mold us into his image, into the people he has called us to be. This is from St. Augustine. Let us understand that God is a physician and that suffering is a medicine for salvation, not a punishment for damnation, a medicine for salvation. And it's not just a medicine for our own salvation. Our suffering is a medicine for other salvation as well. How do we build with our suffering? Went to a therapist and talking about some childhood trauma, and she asked me, what good came from the trauma you suffered as a child? And I'm not going to lie, I was super mad that she asked that. You know, like, how dare you ask that? Like, how can you hear me talk about such pain and think what good came from it? I have to actually think of it. And I mean, my response was so angry. I didn't actually speak it. I just felt it. And I realized it was so strong that there's probably more to it. So just like going through and kind of praying with it, that what happened to me as a child was not a good. It was an evil. But when I calmed down and prayed with it, the Bible verse, Romans 8.28, came into my head. And we know that in all things— God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The suffering that we go through is not a good and will never be a good, but God can bring good from it. The good that came through my trauma was the desire to protect children. My husband and I became foster parents. Like I had to recognize what was the good that came from my trauma was to my two adopted daughters, you know, and I have many children that have called me mom through foster care. That's the good that came through my trauma. One of our builder sisters is a hairdresser and she devotes much of her time to leading these different women's ministries. And she's also a devoted wife and mother of many She's hilarious. She's like one of those people that's always making you laugh with like these self-deprecating jokes and um, just super joyful. And she uses her vocation as a hairdresser to talk and pray with people in her chair. She lays the bricks of her gifts and talents, but she doesn't stop there. She also builds the kingdom with her suffering. Her husband has battled a pornography addiction. She speaks to men on the dignity of women and the wounds inflicted on entire families because of pornography. 
She talks and guides and prays with women going through the same struggle. We've heard the word compassion, but when that's actually broken down, the kampatai means to feel pity. Kam can mean with or together, and patai means also to suffer. So compassion actually means to suffer with another, to suffer with another. She suffers with them. She says, I got this. It was terrible. I'm with you. And you're going to get through it too. Jesus is here. I'm here with you. We're going to get through this together. I have walked in your shoes and you're going to be okay. That's compassion. And that is powerful. She's the hands and feet of Christ. She builds the kingdom, not just with her gifts, but through her suffering. She welcomes all with outstretched arms. This is St. Ignatius of Loyola. If God sends you many sufferings, it is a sign that he has great plans for you and certainly wants to make you a saint. So we know we lay our bricks with our gifts, right? And those bricks are beautiful, and often they're noticed and admired. But we lay our sufferings down. That's mortar. Mortar is ugly, drippy, hard to control. A lot of times it's not even appreciated or noticed. But both the bricks and the mortar are necessary to build well. We build a refuge for others. We welcome them with our outstretched arms when we lay with both our bricks and our mortar. We become the hands and feet of Christ. This is from Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. And we're the ones that create refuge. So one of our builder sisters was struggling with one of her adult children who has caused serious emotional pain in their family. And her instinct was to go into the fetal position to protect her heart from more pain. Her instinct was to make like an unholy vow. I will never love anyone again because I never want anyone to hurt me like this again. And she was praying about this pain, and Jesus was like, nope, that's not happening. What is the opposite of running, of fetal position, hiding in a ball? It's outstretched arms on a cross. This is what love looks like, stretched out in love, completely still. He's awakening our hearts to love the way he loves. Who are the hands and feet of Christ? We are the hands and feet of Christ, right? He's saying, honor me with every gift and talent as you lay each brick. This is my body given up for you. One at a time, lay those bricks, build my kingdom. We're the hands and feet of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Christ. He's saying to us, lie down on your cross, stretch out in love, be still, sanctify your suffering with my blood, do this in memory of me. 
Lay down your mortar. It's messy. It's painful. And it's desperately needed. Build my kingdom with your bricks and your mortar. Each of us is an integral part of the body of Christ. Each of us is. And it's that ebb and flow of bricks and mortar, bricks and mortar. But building this kingdom is not just about us building. We're meant to build together. It's from 1 Corinthians. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts share its joy. Now you are Christ's body and individually parts of it. We know that God created us for communion and for community. We are his hands and feet in Christ, and we build and create a refuge for others. So I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Three Little Pigs. I'm assuming you have. But there's, I think, some wisdom that can be gained from the story. You know, the Lord will endow us with wisdom wherever we're at, so you can guess that I probably read a lot of children's books. Yes, this is true. So I always like to think of things in a different way. So I think perhaps the wolf is actually Satan, and we are the animals hiding inside. And so Satan yells, little pig, little pig, let me in. And perhaps we're actually not pigs, we're sheep. So why would Satan call us pigs? The word Satan means accuser. So he calls us little to remind us of our weakness. He calls us pigs to accuse us of being like a dirty animal, like referenced in the Old Testament. Because Satan takes great satisfaction in reminding us of our failures, of accusing us, of creating shame within us. And so what does Satan do? He huffs and he puffs, right? He's seen his huffing and puffing work before. Many houses have fallen before him. Why is he powerless now? Big bad wolf Satan can huff and puff all he wants. The walls don't fall. It's not just because the bricks. The greatest strength in those walls are due to the mortar. Our mortar allows us to be a refuge for others, and other people's mortar allows them to be a refuge for us. We are literally living out Romans 8.28 as the hands and feet of Christ. So I like to stick names into Bible verses. So I stuck in Builder Sisters. So we can say Builder Sisters and Brothers, because I know there's some men who listen to this podcast. So, And we know that in all things, our Builder Sisters and Brothers work for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to His purpose. Because we're meant to be in communion with others as we build. Our bricks and our mortar were designed to be laid in union with the bricks and mortar of others. One of the most common lies that we renounce, even me personally renounce this a lot, is you are alone. God did not create us to be alone. So this is something you struggle with. Let's just get rid of that right now. That's a lie of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie. I renounce the lie that I am alone, that I'm alone. Jesus, please take this lie. Jesus, please take this lie. Father, fill me with your love. Father, fill me with your love, with your trust trust with your truth truth. okay so jesus even confirms this that we're not meant to be alone 
Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst, right? In Sirach 6.14, faithful friends are a sturdy shelter. Whoever finds one finds a treasure, right? God created us to be in communion and in community. I remember hearing this quote from Jim Rohn, who's like a professional speaker um, for businesses. He said, you are the average five people you spend the most time with. And it was, you know, like 10 years ago when I had a bunch of littles. And I remember thinking, then I'm a toddler because that is who I spend the most time with. Okay. I am a toddler, which, you know, probably why I was doing all these silly voices all the time. But in reality, I actually struggled finding like holy friendships. That was actually a struggle for me. I recognized the truth in that. I was like, okay, I need some holy friendships. We know our friendships are either leading us closer to heaven or further away. They're pushing us up or pulling us down. Because our ultimate goal, I hope we're all on the same page here, is heaven, right? Amen? Amen. Our ultimate goal is heaven. The St. Francis de Sales. Love everyone with a strenuous love based on charity, but form friendships only with those who you can share virtuous things with. So it doesn't mean that if someone's you know, not a holy friend, if they push us down, that we're like completely, you know, exiting them from our lives, right? Because we're called to evangelize. However, we need to be discerning in who we're sharing deep things with, right? And we need to discern how much time we're spending with different people, you know, because the Lord wants us to surround ourselves with people who are seeking heaven for themselves and others. So what are holy friendships? What are they? It's pushing your sisters and brothers towards heaven, right? St. Teresa of Avila says, What a great favor God does to those he places in the company of good people. And it's true. I remember one time I was pregnant with my fifth baby, and I was talking to my friends about how my kids wanted lots more babies. My kids always want more kids. I'm 47. They're still, like, hoping I get pregnant. And my pregnancies are really hard. I vomit for the first part of them. I have lots of kidney stones. And then the last part of my pregnancies, I get enormous. And then I'm like having trouble walking around and doing everything. And might shock you. I've been pregnant eight times. We've adopted two. But it's my pregnancies are tough. So when I'm pregnant with my fifth one and my kids are like begging for even, you know, the seventh, eighth night, I was just exhausted. And so I told my friend Ian, I said, you know, my kids keep asking for another baby after this one. I haven't even given birth. And I just told him, and this actually came from my mouth. So just, I've already repented for it. You'll just be so shocked when I say it. I told them, you know, Santa can only fit so many gifts in his sack. So the more kids that we have in our family, the less things you'll receive from Santa. That came from my mouth. And Anne said, Mary Jo, are you comparing human life to stuff? And I was like, yes, I am. And I, like, I had to repent of it. I always think of there's a part in Back to the Future where Michael J. Fox is trying to like reunite his mom and dad, help make sure they fall in love. And he's looking at this photo and his family's starting to fade away because his parents are falling out of love. And I always think that if Anne wouldn't have had the courage to speak truth to me, I was pregnant with my fifth. 
that we would be missing half of our children. That's how important holy friendships are. Like the idea that we wouldn't have five of our 10 children is heartbreaking to me. St. Maximilian Colby says, God sends us friends to be our firm support in the whirlpool of struggle. And that's just so true. When you have a friend that lifts you up, that speaks truth, that is a beautiful gift. Also, friendships are created for joy, you know? Like, we're not just created for suffering. Like, we are an Easter people. Hallelujah is our song. Like, we're created for joy. So when I get together with my Mosaic small group, a lot of the time we just spend laughing, just talking about hilarious things. There's so much to laugh about in our in our world, and the Lord loves to hear our laughter. He loves it. In Ecclesiastes, it says, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. It doesn't just say a time to weep, right? The Lord wants our laughter. He wants our joy. And so friendship is all of those things. So sometimes things that are keeping us from friendships can be lies of the enemy. You know, like, well, you're not smart enough. You know, you're, you're fat and all those women are skinny. Like, you're old and they're all young, you know whatever lies he tells us, because he doesn't want us to have friends. He wants us to keep believing the lie, you're alone, you're alone, and it's just not true. We also remember that um, a significant other, so if you're a guy, your girlfriend or your wife, your girl, your, your boyfriend or husband, cannot fulfill your need for holy friendships. Iron sharpens iron, Right? So sometimes my holy friends can say to me things my husband could not say. You know, if he said the things they said, I would be like super irritated. But they can say, Mary Jo, you need to renounce that. That is a lie of the enemy. Or if Bill said that, I would probably be like irritated with him. We need holy friendships, not just boyfriends and girlfriends or husbands and wives. So like, if you're a woman listening to this, like, what do you do? Like, how do you create these holy friendships? On our website, buildingthroughhim.com, if you click on it, we have something called Mosaic Small Groups. So if you go to our website and click Build With Us, and then Mosaic Small Groups will pop down. And it's a thoughtfully developed, like, piecing together of our feminine design. The Mosaic Small Groups offer friendship, accountability, and that deep desire that we all have to be known and loved. It's five to seven women who meet 90 minutes for once a month. It's very user-friendly. It walks you through each thing. We look at our love languages, our temperaments, our baptismal graces, our charisms, and we just ask the Father to unveil the unique and beautiful design of each woman. If you're a man listening to this, I just encourage you to talk to the church that you go to to see if there's any men's groups available. But for women, this is your thing. And so, you can often think like, oh my gosh, who's going to be in my Mosaic small group? Like, what do I do with that? We want you to actually ask the Holy Spirit and just maybe go into Eucharistic Adoration just to sit with Him and say, like, who would you like to be in our small group? Like, Lord, show me. What do you want? And make a list of names, no matter how crazy they may seem. One woman, she actually, she had died. She was an older woman. Her name was Nancy Kuhlman. She was so full of love and wisdom. She added so much to our small group. We miss her terribly, but 
she was a different age bracket, and we actually needed that. I heard speakers once say that we should always have a Mary and an Elizabeth. Like, in my life, I should always have someone I'm looking up to and someone I'm mentoring. So who's your Mary? Who are you mentoring? Who's your Elizabeth? Who's mentoring you? We always should be doing that. So let's say you make your list of people and they've never been to a Kingdom Builder gathering or they're not even Catholic or you've not seen them in a decade. That's okay. Like, that's all right. It's not a problem. You're just basically saying, you know, hey, I'm starting this small group. I'm kind of helping women grow in relationship with Jesus. And I felt called to start this group and I prayed about who to contact and the Holy Spirit laid your name on my heart. Is this something you would want to do with me and some other women? And just have the courage to ask that. Naturally, we're going to have a fear of rejection, right? It may feel uncomfortable to ask. And some women may actually decline. When you call them, they might be like, no. And that's okay. We build our life on Christ's love. We put our trust in Him alone. And this world has been really dark for two years. And women are striving, starving for community. And Jesus is the only answer, and you're his hands and feet. Most of those women that the Lord lays on your heart have that desire to grow closer to the Lord and are simply waiting on that invitation. So I want you to look at your hands and look at your feet. Those are the hands and feet of Jesus. Come and open our heart, Jesus. Allow us to love with deep humility, to cast off all restraints, to love boldly and courageously. With outstretched arms, we gather in your name so that we may bring our sisters to Jesus. This is St. Angela Ricci. Do something. Get moving. Be confident. Risk new things. Stick with it. Get on your knees then be ready for big surprises. If you would like more information about Kingdom Builders or would like to know how to bring this apostolate to your parish, please go to our website at buildingthroughhim.com and click Build With Us. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.